On this episode of Progressive Palaver, the group continues their discussion of Russia's power windows. Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair, and on this episode of Progressive Palaver, I'm joined by my very good friends Colby Transfield, Paul Zotter, and Ken Gregory as we continue our discussion on Russia's power windows. So, so here again, you know, and, and we've, you know, Ken, to your point, we've just had a fantastic time in the last five minutes talking about territories. <laughs> territories is not a happy song, you know? So I don't, I, you know, again, my, my take on it is not that it's an unhappy song or a not happy song. I think it's an observation of, of how we all are. That we all all see, you know, who we are, where we come from in our homes as somewhat elevated, somewhat elevated compared to those that we don't know, right? We're judgmental by nature. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to read some, some lines here. Well, oh, okay. The whole wide world and, and an endless universe, yet we keep looking through the eyeglass in reverse. Don't feed the people, but we feed the machines. Can't really feel what international means. Yeah. They shoot without shame in the name of a piece of dirt for a change of accent or the color of your shirt. Better the pride that restless that resides in a citizen of the world than the pride that divides when a colorful flag is unfurled. Yes. This is not happy to me. It's well, a, I agree it, I agree it's an observation. But it's it's a pretty damning observation. Well, you know what he's saying there. I think is that you know it's better to have to be a citizen of the world, right? It's that's that's the pride that matters is to see yourself as a part of a greater whole across the world, as opposed to you know the way we mostly are, which is oh I'm. This country, I'm that country. I'm an Eagles fan. I'm a Cowboys fan, right? I mean, it's it's more of a citizens of the world. That was kind of a joke, sorry. Um, and and it's just it is it is the nature of the human condition. It's the nature of our human cycle to seek out new new ground right and i'm not saying it, it, it you know my favorite line in this in this whole song is we see so many tribes overrun and undermined while their invaders dream of lands they've left behind right so the human condition pushes pushes countries to move and overtake other lands Meanwhile, the actual guys who are actually doing it don't even want to be there. They're dreaming about their home. They would rather be at home than in this new place that they're, you know, supposed to conquest. Um, so, 
I, I mean, I get, I, I, you're, you're right on, right? It's there's some dark elements to it, um, and and maybe it's just the the fact that the song is just rocking that that I find you know somewhat uh, uplifting uh, feel about it. But I mean, I guess you know, and maybe maybe I'm coloring this with uh, again, sort of my mm-hmm. perception of of Neil's heavy handedness with his messages in later albums that you know i think that that's how i perceive this whether that's right or wrong and and maybe i'm wrong but it's too bad our professional sound designer left the conversation because (laughs) i wanted to bring up a really interesting term called um oh i guess it's soundtrack dissonance and one example of soundtrack dissonance that maybe we all have seen at some point would be um, in the movie A Clockwork Orange, the character Alex is singing singing in the rain during a horrible scene of home invasion and rape. Um, so soundtrack dissonance is something that happens when you have uh, uh, maybe a happy song over a sad scene or sad music over a happy scene. And I'm just wondering when Neil releases his lyrics to Alex Lifeson and Getty Lee if sometimes he doesn't get back soundtrack dissonance. <laughs> That's a very interesting point. And perhaps the other way, too, he gets music and then adds, adds the dissonance himself, right? He can very deliberately add the dissonance. Yes, that wow. is. it's not only a mistake, but it's a deliberate technique. Yes. Yes. So I think, you know, it's, it's, it's a really fun conversation about this because as is often the case at the palaver songs that we've listened to or i've listened to for many years uh after a mere few minutes of conversation about them with you guys i can't wait to go listen to it again with a different sort of uh uh, lens yeah absolutely I, i i feel the same way even though we do uh you know and it's always nice to sort of bridge what we just listened to into what we're going to do as well, even though I have been dabbling in Hold Your Fire. Maybe we can wrap up territories. It's just a little funny that, you know, (laughs) this whole song is constructed, this whole deep thought about multiculturalism and exploration and it's kind of a a global view of the world and the best he comes up with is better beer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, the- yeah, I don't. So I, I kind of think that's kind of funny. Like, you know, the better beer is is a little goofy. You're right. <laughs> I, I think it's part of it's part of that that whole phrase, though, right? That's the whole point, right? You know, the guys who are invading the tribes and overrunning them are dreaming about their homes and all the better things they had back there. And then the question is, why move around the world when Eden was right there, you know, right, right there for you? So, um, but yeah, it does sound kind of funny, you know, and, and you know, better beer. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, actually, I think it's... There are two meanings, right? I mean, it, it, they want to stay home, but then they get somewhere else and they might find something better. So why not embrace it? I think the the better beer line is delivered. It's meant to be, you know, 
blatantly ironic. Um, I just don't know that it's their their shining moment in that regard. Um, again, for me, that that sort of stuff just doesn't always necessarily play um, particularly well. But there, there's another there, there's another aspect to these guys, um, and and again, you know we. These these albums, Grace Under Pressure and um, and and this one, you know, there's some heavy themes in here. And, and Neil's a you know a thinker and, and everything else. And then you listen to a show of hands, and the intro to that is the freaking Three Stooges. <laughs> you know, and 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 if you if you think about the the goofy ass, you know, sort of pun parody type. Um, album covers that they've had in, in this one we haven't even talked about the album cover but it's 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 you know it's not quite as bad as the dog and the fire hydrant but you know it I, it's 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 funny when you you get these this heavy music and yet these guys seem to be a little goofy at the same time and maybe that's why maybe that's why some of these things don't translate you know as as dark wave as we would have thought, um, you know, you know, if you just look at, um, if you just look at the lyrics, for instance, you would expect one thing, but you get, you know, this, this sort of, um, you know, I'll, I'll expand on your theme, Ken, this sort of tonal dif- dissonance, um, with, with the subject matter. So, you know, while it, the better beer thing doesn't work for me, it, it may be totally consistent with with the way these guys operated. Yeah, Ken? And, and the truth yeah. is and the truth is really he already had the line uh why move around the world when Eden was so near so he needed something that rhymed, rhymed with near. So <laughs> well, and, and and so this is this is you know one of the things I said this the, the, this is one of the harbingers of the beginning of the end for for Neil as a lyricist because you know we've already had the boys and toys thing and now we've got this thing where, you know, his 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 rhyming schemes just go all sophomoric on us, which I have a recollection. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do I'm going to cast the stone at, for those who have committed, you know, the sins that I'm about to commit here. Um, my my recollection is that Vapor Trails was the high slash low point. Of this, so I'll be curious when we get there if, if that's actually the case. You're going to make me go off here. I, I am. <laughs> that's why we invited you. <laughs> <laughs> I think Vapor Trails is one of their best albums ever, except it was produced like shit. Well, that's all I'll say. I'm done. Okay, no, nope, I'm you, done. You put a pin in that, Mister. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like I said, I could I could be wrong. I haven't listened to Vapor Trails in years. But there's the there's album. there's there's one album in particular in that era, and I don't remember which one it is. But the the lyrics are just I I remember them being dreadful. I'll see if it's still the case. Hmm. <sighs> so this this moves us this into Middletown Dreams, which is it, it it it's fascinating given all of the conversation that we just had. Because if I look at this quote from Neil in an April 1986 interview, 
I used the exact thing which Territories warns against as a device in Middletown. I chose Middletown because there is a Middletown in almost every state in the U.S. It comes from people identifying with a strong sense of neighborhood. It's a way of looking at the world through the, with the eyeglass in reverse. I spent my days off cycling around the countryside in the U.S. looking at these little towns and getting a new appreciation of them. When you pass through them at 15 miles per hour, you see them a little differently. So I was looking at these places and kind of looking at the people in them, fantasizing, perhaps romanticizing a little bit about their lives. So, you know, Neil, Neil is more than happy to flip his own message on its head right in the next song, which I find fascinating. Bravo. Good find. Good find. Yeah, that is pretty impressive, Joe. Nice work. <laughs> well, you know, I, 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 I've tried to step up my lore knowledge for these podcasts. Yeah, so your lore is very. My, 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 my advancing lore on Rush pretty much stopped when I discovered RushVault.com. <laughs> <laughs> Well, don't be, don't, don't be too impressed. Be too impressed. I, I'm flipping back between RushVault.com and SongFacts.com. So nice. that's really nice. all it takes. <laughs> yeah, I mean the thing that the thing that I like about this song, and this is this kind of goes back to my earlier statement, and I, I I've always liked this song. It's never really been like one of the ones that you know I think oh you know I can't wait to hear that. Um, but the thing that I love about this song, and I probably love it more as I get older, is just the, uh, again, you know, the, the, like Neil's focus on people's dreams and those things that keep them going, even when life isn't maybe where they want to be or it's got them down, um, whether they're a middle-aged woman or, or a man coming out of his office um, or, a, you know, a, a kid. It's the dreams that fuel us, and and I just think it's it's just really incredible um, that that he's he's writing about this. And to me, this foreshadows uh, a lot of the same sort of introspection and you know thoughts about <coughs> individuality, dreams, and pursuing them, and and staying true to yourself that I think explodes in um, Hold Your Fire. You know, and one one of the things that I've heard a lot about this um, from the other podcasts that I've listened to is everyone, it, it seems to be sort of a general um, thing to, to equate Middletown with subdivisions as like, this is the same message delivered again. And I, I I tend to disagree, especially reading what I just read. Um, I think Middletown is is a much more positive painting of of that sort of you know rural slash suburban life, whereas Subdivisions is very much about you know people feeling trapped there and trying to escape that. So yeah. that's I I agree with you, Joe, completely. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of that may come from the fact that it's obvious that both of the songs are about, you know, suburban living. 
and and so it's easy to say, oh, well, they must equal each other. But, it, you know, because sometimes you really need to, to sit and chew on these things for a little bit to sort of tease out what's going on. Yeah. And by now you're, you know, you're five, six tracks into the album. You're you're like, you know, you're already fading out. Yeah. Well, and the um, the, the synthesizers have now started to take a much more prominent role. So, you know, you're 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 running out of energy and now you're convincing yourself that the synth era actually exists. Hmm. <laughs> no, that's interesting because I always felt like that was one of the songs where they kind of blended the synths and the guitars really well. Oh, I, 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 and there was a lot of that, again a lot of space in that song where you know it's like damn, you know, there's little keyboards, guitars fading off. It, yeah, it's, that they blended that really well. That to me was one of the great songs where it was guitar and keyboard and it was harmonious. Well, I, I, I Colby, I Maybe think that me. actually, I think that actually describes these these three albums. Um, I, I do think, you know, generally speaking, they did exactly what you just described. I think, you know, there are more synthesizers, but it's much more and better integrated into the song structure and. I, I think everyone has the perception that that means Alex has gone away. But again, if you listen closely and you say, where's Alex? Well, he's all over the place. He, he never really goes away. No, I agree completely. All right. So that brings so, us to... Uh, yes, Paul? No, not me. Oh, so that brings us to Emotion Detector. So, again, we thought Emotion Detector would be a breeze, but it was the killer. It was very difficult to get the mood right. I'm still not really sold on the song. It never ended up sounding the way I hoped it would. Half of Emotion Detector was done in one pass. Um, so that was Alex in Merely Players. Yeah, I mean... Goodness, I don't. I don't really have much to say about the difficulty of the recording, um, and and even musically, this this. I don't know that you know musically, it's my my favorite. But the words to the song are just so great, and you know, there's like, you know, if you've done any reading on on you know you know, vulnerability and being vulnerable, particularly, you know, in, in artistic form. Um, and, you know, it, to me, this just, again, it goes, it goes to the whole ideas of, you know, your dreams, being an individual, being open to being who you are, allowing yourself to be vulnerable to others so that they can see who you really are. Like it, it's really, I think the words are really powerful and that that's how it, that's how they land on me. And, you know, the chorus is, you know, illusions are painfully shattered right where discovery starts. Like that, that there is, there's such a truth to that in life, you know, like so many, 
so many things that, you know, literally just come crumbling down in life are truly the, the beginnings of, of new and, and great things. You just, and I just find the lyrics in this song to be outstanding. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think, um, you know, here again, this is, there, there are certain things that sort of resonate with me. And, um, you know, this idea of the, the awareness of what it takes to open yourself up to someone emotionally, um, you know, I always, that, that always strikes a chord with me. Um, just because, you know, it, you really have to, you really have to expose yourself to achieve the kind of connection, um, you know, that, that you, you read about here, um, or, or that you think about in, in other places. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you can't, you can't do that if you don't take that, that risk. And I think Neil does a, a very good job of sort of illustrating that for us. Yeah. Yeah, reading the lyrics now, I wonder, you know, if this were a lead-off tune, if I would have noticed it. Um, well, it, it does kind of get buried in here, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, they almost had too much good material for this album. <laughs> Yeah, because the chorus is smoking. Now that now that I think about it, yeah, it's really um, it's 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 an, it's a it's a powerful tune. It really is, and I think you're right, Ken. It, it I wonder if the fact that I mean I can't really argue with the song order of Power Windows. I mean it's 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 pretty incredible, but I think there's so many great things happening throughout this album that. You do get you get you do get that fatigue a little bit, even though it's a pretty short listen. You know, there's so much going on in all the tracks. By the time you get deep into the record, you know, these songs, like for sure, Middletown Dreams, Emotion Detector, Mystic Rhythms, took me the longest to get to get into in this whole album. I could appreciate them, but I didn't really love them the way I do for a long time. It took me a while because they're so deep in them. And now I, I want to say a motion detector is the most hold your fire of this album. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I would, I would say that. Yeah. It's that a lot of the space that Colby was talking about. It's just, it, it's just not afraid to lay low and build intensity slowly and, and really wrap you in by the time you get to the chorus. Yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff. And the keyboards definitely go in that bright uh, hold your fire kind of direction. You know, and, and let's let's we talked about this a little bit on Grace. Um, you know, this idea that they upgraded their gear, right? And um, they were going with uh, in a in a new direction with that producer, and then they get they get Peter Collins here, and just from a a production and a sound perspective, I, I, I really dig on this album. I think it's spectacular um, mm. with regards to all of that. Yeah. But I, I also appreciate that if you're someone who came in on 2112, this is not your rush and you might be a little pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Hopefully, by this point, you've been forewarned. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. All right, so... I guess Colby's phone died. Oh. Because now he's just not answering. And so that, you know, Paul, you had talked about, um, you know, taking a while to get into um, these, these last three songs. For me, uh, you know, for whatever reason, I, I, I latched on to Mystic Rhythms probably before, probably immediately after The Big Money. And so, you know, I started having trouble. I had, I had not trouble. It took me longer to connect with, with Territories, Middletown, and Emotion Detector, um, just because I, I honestly couldn't wait to get to Mystic Rhythms. I'm like, can we just get through this so I can get to Mystic Rhythms? Um, you know, I was always looking ahead to that, and you know, it's it's later on that I've I've learned to sort of appreciate um, these three songs for for what they are. So for me, Mystic Rhythms, uh, you know, th there's there's so much about this um, that I just I it just it just works for me, um, you know, and and it's weird because uh, on some levels it this song should probably annoy me, but you know I've I've I personally have always been fascinated with this idea of. You know, there's uh, what's the line from Shakespeare? There's more than heaven and earth than is dreamt of in our philosophy. Is that mm. is, well, is that an actual line? Me. Is that from you've, you've got me there. Got me there. Um, yeah, if if Tom was here, I think they actually used that in a Star Trek movie. He would know. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but but this idea, you know, and and certainly me as a scientist, I find it fascinating, you know to think that there are it's very possible to me in my worldview that there are there are things that are going on these you know neil uses the term mystic rhythms um there are there are different connections different tidal flows that exist that maybe aren't perceived um if if you're not paying attention or or whatever else and um you know, I, I just, I'm fascinated by that. I'd love to think about that. And I think this, um, so, you know, he's, he's talking about that here and, you know, with the, um, mystic rhythms under Northern lights or the African sun. So, you know, here he's expressing this idea of, you know, these sorts of these, these interactions, these flows can be anywhere. Um, and, and certainly you have people in, in all sorts of areas who are tied into the, the mystical side of life and, and, and how you do that. So he, he, they marry that then with this very interesting music to all of this. And I just, Oh God, I love it. Absolutely love it. I just, uh, did a quick search. I, I um, I was thinking of the cultural, references to territories and the cultural references to mystic rhythms 1985 um this is one year before uh peter gabriel does so which has this you know huge 
African culture. I was wondering if they were the same year or what, what came. It's interesting that this came even before. So uh, to say that Rush was influencing Gabriel, maybe, maybe not. Who knows? But there seemed to be something that trend. Um, maybe I, 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 I would. I, I would argue. I would go back an album further, though, Ken, because I would say that Peter Gabriel's security which would have predated this. I don't know what the exact date of security is. Security is, has several songs and the rhythmic aspect of, of this, um, where he explores it through native American culture, certainly in one, um, in San Jacinto. And I believe the rhythm of the heat is also, um, very similar in that regard. So I would say it, it might be a bit, a bit of a feedback loop, from security through this, through so, um, where they might be influencing each other. Mm. Fantastic. Okay. okay. Yeah. Peter Gabriel's security. Oh, oh my God. That album is just freaking off the charts. Mm. Yeah. I got to figure out what year that is. It's driving me nuts. It might be, it, it might be listed as the fourth Peter Gabriel. There are some who argue that security is not its actual name. Oh, it's just Peter Gabriel's 1982 album called Peter Gabriel. And but but there was a 1980 album called Peter Gabriel, and then this is the 1980. There's well, there's, there, there, there's actually there are three that are just called Peter Gabriel, and we're totally sidetracking here. There's Car, Scratch, and Melt, and right. then Security was his fourth solo album, and some argue that. While it's called security, it's not really called security. Is this the one with uh, Rhythm of the Heart, San Jacinto, I Have the Touch? Yes. Okay. Okay. That is a good one. Oh, you could say the shock. The monkey has uh, world rhythms. Uh, yeah. What was it that hit you on here? Uh, San Jacinto and Rhythm of the Heat. Yeah. L listen, listen to Rhythm of the Heat, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Yep. It's, yep. it's amazing. Beautiful. Beautiful. So, you know, it, yeah, all of these things sort of speak to similar things. Um, I think Rhythm of the Heat actually is, is about, um, or is it, uh, I'm getting it all confused. We'll get to that when we get to Peter Gabriel, but it's all, it's all freaking great. And it all has to do with sort of different, cultural interactions with the world in which we live. And, you know, I think that's what we're, that's what Neil's talking about here. And I think, you know, again, looking at, at these lyrics, Neil does a, a very good job of sort of, you know, expressing the fact that these are everywhere. And even though there are certain circumstances where it may be less obvious, it doesn't mean that these things stop, you know, coming into play if you're properly tuned in. Mm. Yummy. Jerry Marotta, the drummer on that uh, 1982 Peter Gabriel album. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Beautiful. Mr. Zotter, thoughts on Mystic Rhythms? You know, I, I always remember Jay playing Mystic Rhythms. Um, and, <laughs> you know, I never really put together that, you know, the beginning drum beat, you know, had the tune was the China boy. 
uh, until I was watching Jay do it. So I've always thought it was one of the most tasteful uses of the China boy of all time. Um, <laughs> Because it was actually used as a, you know, and a rhythmic wasn't just an accent kind of, you know, accentuator right. of a hit. It was actually used within the rhythm of the song. And um, and I think that the thing that flipped me onto this song, rather than it just being the last track of Power Windows, but then a song that I was really curious about and then got really into was I want to say it was the Presto tour, which may have been the first tour that I saw of, um, of Rush. Uh, they played this song and blew me away. And Alex's performance on the song, most of it's acoustic, uh, was just marvelous. And I think it's the guitar line in this is just, uh, it's, it just, it's riveting. And it's something you listen to the, listen to on the ride to, to work and, you can't get it out of your head all day. I mean, it's 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 great. So, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I just that's the stuff that's always stuck with me with uh, Mystic Rhythms, and I agree with you know the things that you were saying, Joe. The the lyrical content, the different rhythms, the rhythmic instruments influencing it. It's, it's really yeah, so, uh, terrific. So I'm looking at the lyrics here, and and there's there's one one verse that really really catches me. And, and I should have brought it up sooner. We sometimes catch a window, a glimpse of what's beyond. Mm. Was it just imagination stringing us along? More things than are dreamed about, unseen and unexplained. We suspend our disbelief and we are entertained. So, mm. yeah. And then mystic rhythms capture my thoughts, carry them away. Nature seems to spin a supernatural way. Ah, just love it. It is. Fantastic. Wow. <clears throat> I'm obsessed with putting labels on things like soundtrack dissonance. And yes. I, I, I want to label um, this phase in Alex's career as the Lifeson mantra because he gets that little thing going in territories. They're kind of like, oh, Alex is kind of becoming a drummer here. And he's kind of getting Latin and he's kind of getting something and it feels like a mantra to me and it, he's doing some of that you know uh the last track there too he just kind of kind of pulls me in yeah yeah well and, and like i said you know I, I i think maybe it's it's you know alex is is all over these albums but he's he's changed he's not he's not the alex license of 2112 and a farewell to kings you know he's he's I don't want to say he's grown up, but he's he's doing different things, and his guitar sounds different. And so again, if 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 twenty one twelve is your jam, I could see where you would have problems with this. But all I'm trying to say is that I don't think it has anything to do with excessive use of synthesizers. This is yeah. not a flock of seagulls. <laughs> exactly, exactly, Joe. Uh. Alex is so good. He's just so good. He just you know, and, and that's the thing, you know, and, and I think, you know, when, when Colby was here and he was talking about all this space, you know, I think ever since we got into what permanent waves, I guess, um, is where you started to have this sort of space for them to do the things that they want to do. And they, yeah. they each can shine 
at being brilliant and and somehow bring it all together into a coherent whole. Yeah, you know the other thing with that and is that there I think there's a, this amazing thing about music production where you know you can listen to things and sometimes you can hear the instrument, right? You can hear the guitar, the strum, the amplifier, the drums, the cymbals and you and you can almost picture the instruments right in front of you. You can almost picture the the band in a room. You sometimes you even hear the room. And then there's there are certain albums and certain sounds, and it's you know modern production is much more like this, where you're listening and you're totally in the abstract, right? You don't hear a room, you don't hear an amplifier, you're just hearing sounds, and they're completely presented to you in an in an abstract of nothingness. And I feel like that's what creates that space. And I think that this album is like the perfect for me, the perfect definition of that. There, the 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 changes between the sounds of guitars from the verse to chorus, sometimes even within the verse, is is completely impractical, right? Um, it's almost like he goes from like a you know a humbucking electric guitar with like incredible sounds to a to a doubled you know, thin single coil, you know, clear sound doubled by an acoustic all, you know, right within, you know, it's like even Steve Howe couldn't pull off a, a guitar <laughs> change like that. And, you know, but it, it's the whole sound just is in this abstract form. And, and I, I love that. I love when that happens. And I, you know, I think that's one of the big attractions for me to power windows and hold your fire. So, so, Paul, and you may be talking about something that I've been thinking about, and and I've had I've struggled with how to express this, and I I don't know if I'm going to be able to even express it to you, or if you're going to understand what I'm trying to say, or if it's in any way, shape, or form what you were just describing. But to me, it sounds very similar. In that, as I've been thinking about this, there are certain albums when I listen to them, it's almost like. I, you know, when you talk about this abstraction of the instruments, I, when I listen to these things, I sort of see them as instruments in a void. There's blackness all around them, and there's yeah. no context outside of whatever that individual track is and the, the combination of the tracks together, as opposed to other albums where it's almost like you can see, you know, a, a very colorful black, black backdrop behind them, and there's some sort of contextual world beyond what you're hearing yeah i think that's very similar to what i'm i'm thinking we're thinking along the same lines joe yeah it just you know there there are certain things certain albums throughout you know that that hit me like that and and this is this is one of them so cool. yeah yeah there's i know we've been going on for way way too long about this but i guess i'm not at all surprised um given our love of this, but I did want to sort of address, and it's a shame that Tom's not here, so he'll have to listen, but I did want to address sort of an ongoing controversy here in the Palaver as it pertains to this particular album and a comment that I made. Oh, that's right. I can't believe that we got this long without even bringing it up. Way, way, way back. Now, I would like to, to restate 
what I said originally, and then I would like to be given a moment to express my current thoughts on the subject, if that's acceptable. Okay, we do have we do have recorded evidence of what you originally said. Do you realize we that? do? And I I will Published be happy to splice it in so that you can verify the fact that I understand exactly what I said the first time I said it. <laughs> And we were discussing tales from topographic oceans. And I was trying to make the argument at the time that in a lot of ways, tales from topographic oceans was close to the edge 2.0 and not nearly as good. It was very similar. They were trying to sort of catch lightning in a bottle and they painted a picture that looked similar, but they didn't quite capture that. And I said at the time that much like Power Windows was a, a substandard or a less than it, it was it was related in the same way to Grace Under Pressure, in that it was very similar, but it was not as well executed. I never said I didn't like Power Windows. I never said that Power Windows was was you know as arduous as Tales from Topographic Oceans. <laughs> now, are you sure Tormato wasn't involved? I could have sworn that you you compared Tormato with Power like it was no Rush's Rush's Tormato was, was Power Windows. No, it was Tales. It okay, was it was definitely Tales. Okay, um, Rush has I don't think Rush well maybe. Anyway, what well, I would like equally what, offensive still, but yeah. What, what what I would like to say now is that while first of all, I never made any of the assertions that I have been accused <laughs> of in in our personal text. I also now very freely admit that the analogy was incorrect. <laughs> And that while there is a certain relation between grace under pressure and power windows, it is not certainly the relationship that exists between close to the edge and tales from topographic oceans. Mm. So I just want to say that um, power windows, you know, in 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 a in certain objection. Uh, um, uh, uh, objective manners um you know there there probably is a lot of arguments to be made that power windows is a better album than than grace under pressure i think there are certain regards where maybe it it certainly sounds better <laughs> but again i will i will i will stand by my own personal thing that for me grace under pressure is always going to win and i have no rational defense of that i just love it more but this is truly um an exceptional exceptional album so i just want to put that to bed it, it indeed it's an exceptional album I, I i'm latching on to this metaphor joe and 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 i'm i'm milking it for everything it's it's worth if you want to make the the <laughs> what would be the equivalent the rush equivalent of topographic drama <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna be buying Jay Shell and dinner, aren't I? God damn it. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
Uh, when are those rush tickets? Uh, that would be I mean, those guest to tickets. buy. Oh, now I'm doing it. You started mis- mis- mixing the yes and the rush, and now I'm doing it, too. <laughs> yeah, we should uh, we should probably do a little quick bonus episode on Yes 50. But anyway, so so Paul, have I have I satisfied your your delicate rush sensibilities in this regard? I think I think you've absolved yourself, Joe, for sure. Thank you. Welcome, welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> we'll have to hope that, that Tom actually listens to this so that he also. <laughs> All right. So any closing thoughts on Power Windows? I think this may be the longest episode on a single album we've ever done. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. <laughs> there was a lot of there was a lot of laughter in this in this episode, which probably extended it longer than than normal. I, I, I will say this. I, I don't I so far I haven't had as much fun studying a band. Not that I'm studying them, but going back and watching videos and YouTube videos and reading about them. And there is I mean, there may be more written about this band online than any other. Uh, it's hard. It, it, it's, I'm not sure if that's true. Um, but the more that I read about them, the more documentaries that I watch, the more I, you can't help but just really, really like these guys more and more the more you find out about them. They are, they, it's amazing that they've stuck together for as long as they did and they have achieved what they what they have but you know to your earlier point joe not taking themselves too terribly seriously and keeping a friendship and reading the tour book the things that they write and the 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 stories that they tell you just can't really help but really fall in love with these guys as people they're they're just great and it's a it's it makes the experience of listening to all of their music the way we are even better yeah, it's going to, you know, and I'll be curious to see, because again, I have my my own perceptions, and, and certainly my, I, I, I don't think I'm going to enjoy the latter part of this, of this exercise with Brush nearly as much as I have up to this point, and even through, certainly Presto, and we'll see how far past counterparts it goes. But yeah, I mean, I, I certainly agree with you. There, there is there's something very engaging about about these guys, um, and and you know it. They really have come through quite a musical journey. Um, you know, what, while we've we've dealt with you know in, in half of yes at this point. Um, Marillion and King's X, those bands, while they, they had their musical changes, there, I think there were, were more sort of consistencies in their identity than, than Rush has demonstrated to us. And they're not even done yet. Yeah. Uh, they've, got, they've got a couple more twists and turns to throw at us. And uh, yeah, so it, it's, it's, you know, this is why we do this and this is fun. Kenny G? If Rush performed Grace Under Pressure live and Presto live, that would be the equivalent of topographic drama. Just chronologically speaking, I think. 
just musing on that. Um, I enjoyed I this. See that. Yeah. Except I'd want to see that. That's the difference. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. And what, would, it, what, would it still be cool if we had somebody singing Getty's parts, you know, because that's the yes conundrum. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, I, only only if Jay Shellen can fill in for Neil Peart. That, that's the... <laughs> oh, oh man, no, don't go there. Um, <laughs> all right, the, the, uh, how about this? There wasn't as much China Boy in here as I thought, because Paul, you said in the last palaver, you know, with the whole Grace thing, or that we were going to have a lot of China Boy in the upcoming stuff. Yeah, but oh, I. I you know. We haven't talked about Rototoms. Well, we, we, oh yeah, Big Money's got some beautiful Rototoms. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say the production on the Rototoms really peaks on Hold Your Fire, so we, we can we can hit that. Okay, good, good. <laughs> we'll, we'll bring up Rototoms next week. Awesome. <laughs> All right, enough said. <laughs> All right, so... Gentlemen, this well, have, been we been on the, have we been on the line for two hours and 40 minutes? Yes, we have, sir. And we started recording about 15 minutes in. So that gives us, what, two hours and 35 minutes on just Grace Under Pressure. Wow. Power Windows. Yeah. Or Power Windows. Yeah, whatever. The wow, that's is. insane. Well, that sounds like a two-episode. Uh... Yeah, let's, let's hope there's a convenient spot to uh, splice it in half. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Progressive Palaver. As you can see, we've had a great time talking about um, Power Windows, and we hope you've enjoyed listening to the conversation. As always, we encourage you to provide us your thoughts, your feedback, your comments, your questions, um, your concerns, whatever you may have. You can reach us on all of the uh, major social media platforms. We are available on Twitter, Um Instagram and Facebook as Progpala, P-R-O-G-P-A-L-A. You can email us. Um, we are at progpala at gmail.com. And um, as always, Progressive Palaver is available for subscription and download on both iTunes and Google Play. And we are hosted on SoundCloud. So we uh, look forward to continuing as next episode when we go into... Rushes hold your fire. <laughs>